Welcome to another episode of We Explain Kayleen. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. I'm Courtney. I'm Kevin. I'm Dakota. Jamie. Bond. James Bond. And I'm Daniel. Welcome to part two of We Explain Kayleen. Make sure you check out her podcast, We Explain Movies. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. We're diving into the main list, the top 10 of one Kayleen. And starting off, we have Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl from 2003, Mm -hmm. directed by Gore Verbinski, starring Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, Kira Knightley, Jeffrey Rush, Kevin R. McNally, Jack Davenport, Jonathan Price, Zoe Saldana, (laughs) Lee Ehrenberg, and Mackenzie Crook. And the reason I said all those names Mm -hmm. is... One, I'm so glad this movie is on your list because <laughs> this is a terrific fucking movie. Yeah. It does so many things well, including creating a great ensemble where all those names I mentioned, they have something to do in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's so good. This movie is fantastic. It has no right to be as good as, <laughs> as good as it is. No, considering I totally it's agree. <gasps> inspired from a fucking theme park ride. Yeah. And it has everything. Action, comedy, romance, scares, mm-hmm. great cinematography, iconic score, great performances. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are all the reasons it's on my list. When did you see this movie for the first time, Kayleen? All right, I'm going to give you even further background than that. When I was a child and I went to Disneyland, this ride used to make me cry (laughs) because I was a little sissy and didn't like loud noises and it scared me. And yet my mom decided it would be a good idea to take me to see this in theaters. And so I was like seven Mm -hmm. and the movie did not scare me. I thought it was so cool and adventurous it kind of gave me the same feelings that I had as a kid watching Indiana Jones and then uh from that day forward I was literally obsessed with it I've probably seen it like 50 times it's such a good popcorn movie Mm -hmm. and I don't I don't mean that pejoratively sometimes you just need an entertaining movie and it checks all those boxes really well yeah I think it was I was just gonna say and it was when All these characters were fresh, so they weren't, you know, what's the word? Overdone? Overdone, yeah. They they were doing it for the first time, and we hadn't seen any of them before, and they were all so perfect and beautiful, and everyone is so committed to this silly movie, which is why it's so good. I was was doing some background. I I did background check on every single movie on your list. Mm -hmm. I mean, reasonably so. Disney did not have a lot of hope for this. I mean, it's a movie based <laughs> off of a theme park ride. Yeah. And it its budget got up to $150 million. This was before Johnny Depp was super famous. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Gore Verbinski had any big films to his name. Yeah. Yet. So this, this was a risk. And it paid off fantastically. It, mm-hmm. it was a big hit. I also saw this when I was seven. My nice. grandma took my brother and I to see this. And I don't remember I don't remember loving it immediately. I liked it. I think I was just sort of shell-shocked that it was as good as it was and mm-hmm. it has all these elements that it does well. But you're right. It is sort of like a a modern Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. I actually this was again, we were children. 
And so it was back when I had nothing to do and I would just watch it and then it would finish and I would watch it again. And I kind of made it a point to try to memorize all the lines. <laughs> really? And, yeah, there was um, my favorite scene to quote was, and recently I watched it and I couldn't quite do it, but I had the cadence of the entire scene memorized, which is when they're sword fighting, like in the blacksmith shop. <laughs> and he's like, you're not a eunuch, are you? Like that whole scene I used to recite as they were doing it. I love it. What about it makes it one of your favorites? It it felt right to stay on the list because it affected me at such a young age. And it's one that, you know, some movies affect you as a kid and then you watch them when you're older and you're like, oh, that actually wasn't as good as my child brain thought it was. And I still, I actually really, I do genuinely like the original Pirates trilogy like the first three I think make a complete story that I really enjoy but the first one like there's no contest on how good it is and yeah it just introduced me to this world of characters and I don't know I just became like obsessed with pirates and that whole it just it, it does it gives you the adventure vibe that Indiana Jones does and as a kid that's what I loved because it was you know I'm still like play and make believe with my friends in the backyard and stuff. And this was such good content for that. And did it take some time for it to become one of your favorites? It sounds like it's sort of you loved it immediately. Yeah, I I think, you know, obviously my obsession with it now is not the same as it was then. But yeah, no, it was pretty immediate. I thought I was in love with Johnny Depp, even though he was like, so much older than me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Me and my friends would talk about it all the time. I thought it was really special even from back then. I wrote some of my favorite moments down from it. Ooh. The first 30 minutes of the movie are kind of perfect because mm -hmm. it introduces Jack Sparrow. He's fucking hilarious. Mm -hmm. And then there's this great chase and action scene where it's like you said, he fight, they fight in the blacksmith shop and it's really well done and entertaining. Mm -hmm. Second favorite moment is Jack and Elizabeth trapped on the island. Oh, love it. She gets Jack drunk. Mm-hmm iconic line why is the rum gone yeah yeah and then w another favorite moment is the crew of the black pearl walking on the floor of the ocean in the moonlight oh i love it i love it you know what i love actually is um the movie love actually <laughs> yeah with Kira knightley is the moment when the coin drops after he gets shot like it perfectly drops with the blood into the chest full of the medallions Ugh, it's just epic the whole movie is epic you know what as i'm thinking about it more too what i think makes it so special is that and it might just be because i was obsessed with it as a kid but there's something about loving something that much and watching something that many times where you start to like stuff that is not funny or interesting or important at all it's like every moment of the movie makes you happy and I say that because one of the moments I remember, I like, it's very vivid in my memory, is when Jack is sitting on the boat and Elizabeth falls in the water and he just goes, and then they made me their chief. Like he's just finishing a story that we don't get to hear. I love, I love that moment too. Yeah, it's like it doesn't matter or mean anything, but I find it so funny. And I like that the uh, the two guards he's talking to, it's the idea of the whole thing. Yeah. That he's been talking to them for that long. Right, right. Yeah, so just like everything makes me smile. Every line I think is cool. Like when he says, um, again, another line that sticks in my head weirdly is when he's like, that's got to be the greatest pirate I've ever seen. And he's like, so it would seem. Like I mentioned before, all these characters are 
very well defined. Mm-hmm. There's there's not really any wasted screen time. You said you like the sequels, and you like two and three. Mm-hmm. I like two a lot. I like two almost as much as one. Really? Yeah. One thing one thing I wrote down that you inspired in me is you made me realize you reminded me how much I fucking love this movie. Oh yeah. And you've made me want to watch them again. Oh, that makes me happy. The third one, I just remember being weird and almost three hours long. Mm. And so I don't have as much of a relationship with that one. Any comment on that? I guess um, without spoiling for listeners what other things are on my list, I'm going to say a very similar thing about another set of movies later. But I think... Oh, I I wonder what it is. (laughs) But I think the third one... While it is the least good of the trilogy, I think is necessary to complete the story, mostly for Calypso and Davy Jones. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, I don't dislike it because I think it's part of a whole, but it's got some problems. Have you seen four and five? I have seen four one time in theaters. Thoughts? I didn't like it, but that's when I discovered who Sam Claflin was and he's hot. So that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) but no i didn't see five because i didn't want to (laughs) it it just seems sort of sad yeah it's like you've seen the timeline you've literally seen the timeline of them milking it Mm -hmm. and now it's now it's out of milk it was like i still gave four a chance because i thought why not and it was like oh okay well i guess we're done here another thing that i want to include on every discussion of each movie i want you to be able to say everything you want to for each one so Mm -hmm. any additional comments about pirates of the caribbean hmm uh i can't think of anything necessarily important i guess i'll just kind of riff off of what you said about every character mattering and being important to the story like having a purpose with that being said rigetti and pintle are two of the funniest people in the movie and I really like their comedy together. Yeah, they're really funny. And mm-hmm. they, they still have a purpose in the yeah. plot. One final thing I'll say is I have actually marched in marching band in Disneyland playing the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. Ooh, so that's really cool. I got that going for me. <laughs> Number nine. Number, Number nine. nine. We have three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri from 2017. Directed by Martin McDonough, starring mm-hmm. Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, Peter Dinklage, McDonough regular Zelko Ivanzek, Caleb Landry-Jones, Lucas Hedges, John Hawks, Samara Weaving, and Catherine Newton. Mm-hmm. And it's about a woman, a woman in a small town starting a war with a local police chief for not finding the man who raped and murdered her daughter. Now, Martin McDonough, was your first introduction to Martin McDonough Pillow Man in yep, Acting 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you acted in The Handing in Spokane. I did, which I often forget about. It was such a small part of my life. And then I'm like, oh, I did that, which Sam Rockwell also did. Are you a big McDonough fan? I love him, and I think that all of his plays should be movies, and that he should write all the movies. Every single movie? Every... Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I think we would be in a better place if he wrote. <laughs> I think so, too. Taika can have some also, but Martin can lead it. When did you see this movie for the first time? I saw this movie for the first time in theaters. I probably only saw it once in theaters, but I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I was like, wow, that movie looks like it has everything I like about movies in it. So I got to see that immediately. (laughs) Including Sam Rockwell. Yeah, one of my favorite things about movies. I remember this movie sort of coming out of nowhere. 
mm-hmm. I would go to the movies and I would see, you know, during the previews, they would bring this movie up. And I was like, what's that? I've literally never heard of that. Ah. And then I would forget about it and then go to the movies again and see a preview. And go, oh, oh, yeah, I guess I'll look up something about the movie. Oh, it's directed by Martin <laughs> McDonough. I'm yeah. definitely saying that. You know, what's interesting about being such a big Sam Rockwell fan is that you would think I would be the first person to always know when he has a new project, but I find that I always get surprised by a trailer with him in it. I'm watching a trailer and I'm like, what the heck? There's another Sam Rockwell movie coming out. That must be especially exciting. It is. You're you're like, oh my God. And and he's in a lot of movies. That guy works all the time. He does. He's he's staying busy. He's got to keep dancing. Exactly. What was your first reaction to seeing this movie? So my first reaction, I remember it well, is that I thought it was really great. Like I, I loved it from the second it started, but I was a little upset with the ending and that kind of bothered me about it for a while. What specifically? Uh, how do <laughs> I was going to say, how do you feel about the ending? I mean, I've, I've seen it a lot more since then and have new feelings about it, but it, it bugged me. I've grown to like it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I feel like it completes their arc mm-hmm. while not being like on the surface satisfying. Try, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about this movie makes it one of your favorites? So I guess this also ties back into the ending discussion, but I watched it the first time, thought it was amazing, had some gripes with the ending, but I loved it. And I watched it a second time, not that long after. I think I had seen it twice by the time the Oscars happened that year and when I watched it the second time obviously I was a lot more aware of things because I knew how everything was going to play out and I remember thinking that every single scene in the entire movie is important or funny there's not one scene that you could cut because I felt like every scene was necessary or if it wasn't it was funny which I also Mm -hmm. want that in there too so when I got to the ending I like thought a lot about why it was bugging me because But then this is how I came to terms with it. And I'm going to spoil the ending right now. So you know how they go off and they're like, we're going to kill that guy, right? Yes. And then they're like, are we actually going to do this? And they're like, I don't know, probably not, you know? So what has made me come to terms with the ending is that I really don't think they're going to do it based on their personalities and what we've seen in the movie and the fact that they have that little bit at the end where they say like, I don't know about this. but. It is left open to interpretation, technically, and that is what kind of bugs me about it, because I feel like it's an extremely selfish and uncharacteristic thing if they do follow through with it, because both of them abandoned somebody very important to them who only has them. And so if they actually went through with it, both of those people would be abandoned, and that really irks me and you're you're famously not a fan of ambiguity in movies it depends i think it has to be earned and sometimes i don't feel it is the way i interpret it i don't think that they're gonna kill him i think it's like a final the way i see the movie is it's two awful people who don't give a shit about anyone but themselves coming to terms that they've done all these wrong things Mm -hmm. and i think the heart of the movie is that scene with peter dinklage where they go on a date yeah. and he just, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he says, you just do things with no concern for other people. Yeah. And that's how I feel about the entire movie. So I don't, I think it's them extending an olive branch to one another mm-hmm. and they're going to chill out. And 
One thing I don't understand about the movie, and this may be beyond me because I am a white person, but I don't <laughs> think the movie has a strong racial message. When this movie came out, I remember there being a lot of discussion about, wow, this movie deals really well with race and stuff. And I don't think it does. Mm. I don't think that's what the movie is about. It's a strong element of the movie because mm-hmm. there's a lot of racist, homophobic characters in the movie. Right. Mostly Sam. That's how I feel conflicted about it. Because I I guess I sort of feel guilty for liking it. Mm. And if there's something offensive, I don't want to attach myself to it. But right. at the same time, I don't feel like it was trying to make a racial point. Yeah, I guess how I feel about it. And I remember even Sam Rockwell got asked this in an interview once, which is like, it's just so unfair how much interviewers, like reporters, try to catch people in some kind of misquote. Just makes me angry to like see it and know that's what's happening. But I remember that was a huge thing where a lot of people didn't like the movie because they felt that it redeems a racist character. And they're like, oh, well, the whole point of this movie is to make us feel bad for this racist guy. Like, what about all the black people he tortured, you know? And I don't think that the point of the movie is to make you think he's a good person. I think the point of the movie is that he grows as a person. And I do think you're supposed to empathize with him on like a human level, but he's still a shitty person. And like you said, so is Francis. It's not, the point isn't for us to say, you know what, they're redeemed and I forgive them for what they've done. It's like, they're becoming better people. And I really appreciate the journey that they're going on and watching these people in like this podunk town deal with something like this. But I think to say that the point is for us to be like, yay, I love the racist is so missing the point. Yeah. And it's it's a very black and white reading of the film when it's a lot more nuanced than that. Mm -hmm. Did it take some time for the movie to become one of your favorites? Yes, mostly because I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know how I felt about the ending and that bothered me. But at the end of the day, like I said, I do, I do think personally, they don't do it. And I think there's a lot of clues to argue that they don't do it. And I also really enjoy the part where she confesses to being the reason Sam is all burnt. And he's like, well, who the hell else would it have been? And I love that because, yeah, I would have been mad if he was shocked. Like, who would it have been? It's character growth. Yes. So I love it. I just think it comes down to the writing and the acting. And that cast is fucking stacked. Even down to Samara Weaving, who I think is a star. I love her. I, I included her in my cast. I know. I know I know that you like her a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I'm really excited about... Did you hear that Martin McDonough has a new project in the works? I'm sure it's getting delayed now, but... I did not. It's called The Banshees of Inishir. I don't know anything about it, but it's got a title. Does it have people attached? to it i believe colin farrell is attached to it because he's in some of his other projects yeah i don't know if sammy's attached to it but maybe after all this he will become attached that'd be cool because he's been in a couple of his projects too how many times have you seen this movie is it something that you watch regularly yeah it's one of the ones i really didn't start getting into the oscars until the year that brie larson won for room and even that year i wasn't really that into it i just like kind of 
tried to, what's the word, like a last ditch effort right before the Oscars, I tried to watch as many as I could because I knew we were going to have that little gathering at your place. But that was really the first year I started paying attention. And so the year that this movie came out, I liked quite a few movies that year and I felt really well versed in the Oscars. So I don't know, there was there was just something about that year that was really special. And I was a little mad that The Shape of Water won because it was not one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing for another time. But yeah, I don't know. It it has stayed with me. I've probably seen it, I don't know, maybe four times. I also like to show this one to people because it was one of my favorites that year. One of my one of the notes I put is that uh people should check out Martin McDonough's other work. Have you seen In Bruges or Seven Psychopaths? I haven't seen In Bruges, but I do remember that when you found out I loved Sam Rockwell, you told me I should watch Seven Psychopaths, and I have now seen it twice, and that one I really, really love. Sam Rockwell's great in that movie. Yeah, he's really in his element. I just want to list my favorite moments in this movie. The long take that follows Jason to beat the shit out of red Mm -hmm. fantastic and really impressive you're like oh my god what is he going to do Mm -hmm. and it gives it's important information about sam rockwell's character yeah my next moment is jason in the bar with the suspect oh he's listening to the the rapist guy talk about what he's done and it's so tense and the song we drove old dixie down is playing in the background (laughs) yeah i love that scene that's a good scene. And finally, Jason and Mildred in the truck at the end. Mm-hmm. It's like what you said with the, uh, well, who the hell else would have done it? <laughs> yeah. I love that he's in all three of your favorite moments. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I noticed that myself. <laughs> I was just going to say that based on your first moment, I just wanted to tell the listeners that there's a really cool, in the behind the scenes, you get to see Sam Rockwell go upstairs And they do the whole fight and he throws the stunt double out the window to land on like a truck with a bunch of boxes to catch him. And then the truck pulls away. Sam Rockwell comes down as the actual actor who's already like made up with the blood and everything is on the ground, like ready to do the next fight choreography. It's so cool. I was wondering how they did that because I was like, they probably would not have let the actor do the out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I just remembered. Do you remember a certain comment someone made about this movie on Facebook? We went to school (laughs) with them, and it was a really stupid criticism of the movie. Oh, actually, I think I was thinking of something else. I don't know if I do remember. I'll bleep this out, but it was... (laughs) And she commented, Mm. it wasn't even filmed in Ebbing, Missouri. (laughs) Like, that's a fucking good critique of a movie. That sounds like a dumb letterbox review. Keep that off my Facebook feed. Yeah. <laughs> I that comment pissed me off so much I hit it. I <laughs> and my closing comments, uh Martin McDonough's awesome. You should check out his other movies. Mm-hmm. And you should also check out his brother's films. His brother's a filmmaker as well. And he did a movie called The Guard with Brendan Gleason and Don Cheadle, which mm. is really charming and Irish. It's a really sort of amateur debut, but it, the writing is really strong. And then his next movie, Calvary, is such an improvement over the guards' technical aspects. And it's a really interesting story about religion. And What's his brother's name? Oh, shit. <laughs> I want to say... Uh, I don't know. Okay. The other McDonough. Yeah, I know his last name. Yeah. Do you have any closing comments? No, just that I think it's a really powerful film that has a lot of um, technical elements going for it. And I think... 
Everybody should see it. Number eight, Good Quill Hunting Will. from 1998, directed by Gus Van Sant, starring Matt Damon, Robin Williams, Ben Affleck, Shellen Skarsgård, and Minnie Driver. Mm-hmm. My attempt at a summary is a young genius struggles with his demons as he attempts to create a life for himself, which probably does not do it justice at all, but I don't <laughs> fucking care. Yeah, I guess I'll start by saying that I am just really a sucker for movies that deal with father figures and specifically when that father figure is Robin Williams, because it just like he was everyone's movie dad growing up. Maybe not everyone, but a lot of people's. And watching movies like this, it feels like he's talking to me. And so they just make me very emotional. <laughs> and I love this movie. You get serious, Robin. What the, One of the reasons I like it is because mm-hmm. he is restrained in this movie. He is not doing some energetic sti- shtick. Yeah. He's just in the moment and fucking acting his heart out. And he won mm-hmm. an Oscar for it. And I would say that's deserved. Totally. And I'm glad that this is his Oscar movie. Yeah, I agree with that. When did you see this movie for the first time? You know, so (laughs) spoiler alert for the rest of my list, there is another Robin movie on this list, but... You saw them in a double feature. (laughs) So the first time I watched this movie was not super long ago. The day that he passed away, my mom texted me about it, and I had to go verify because there are so many death hoaxes that pop up on the internet, and... Sure enough, it was true. Obviously, it was devastating. And that day I decided that I wanted to watch one of his movies in honor of him. So I watched Mrs. Doubtfire that day. And then every year since then, I've kind of made it a thing where I feel like on that day, I should do the same thing and like honor the life that he lived. And so every year I've watched a Robin Williams movie. And I think it was one or two years later so that would have been like 20 let's see 2015 is when I watched this for the first time and I've only seen it twice in my whole life but I obviously have heard good things about it it's a classic people talk about it all the time and one of the things people say about it is how it's you know his big serious role and I was I just thought it was brilliant and didn't Ben Affleck and Matt Damon also win the Oscar for the script yes they did which is just crazy and I'm sure at the time felt like it was out of left field that these two made this beautiful film and it was also a labor of love for them because a lot of studios didn't want to touch it they didn't trust these newcomers yeah I assume people might not have trusted Robin either with something like this I think actually that he was the financing like to get a big name on the film yeah Mm. yeah so I saw it and I just even though I already knew I was in for something good, I, I I really like movies that are not only good, but they kind of teach you something. And I really like all the intellect that this character has, even though people think he's a scumbag. I, I think that's a very intriguing quality in a character. I, I just think it's beautiful from start to finish. And I love seeing character growth, obviously mostly in Matt Damon and in his relationship with Robin. I love geniuses in movies. It's so fun. They're They're always so interesting. Teach me stuff, geniuses. You you said you saw this movie fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Going into it, was your you you said, okay, this is his first serious movie. Was your reaction to it, did you like it immediately? Were you like, wow, I can't believe I waited that long? It did feel like I can't believe I've waited that long because 
I knew he could do serious. Like I've seen him, you know, he's done other serious movies. Um, even as far as to say like Patch Adams is still a ridiculous comedy, but he's pretty serious in a lot of it. There's some very heavy stuff in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that a lot of times. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't surprised that he could do it. I don't know why I waited so long to see it. It just never, I guess, got on my radar, never came up. Or maybe it wasn't like easily available to me, but it was on Netflix. So I decided to watch it. And then this is like cliche, but I'm sure one of the parts of the movie that sticks out with everyone is when he just keeps saying it's not your fault. And I just couldn't stop crying. I just had a reaction from you saying it. (laughs) Yeah. It's that's such a powerful moment. And because like, I, I just feel like there's a part of everyone that can relate to that. Like we you know that it's not his fault that everyone deserves to be loved, but there's something deep down that still tells you it is. And so even though he's saying, I know still hurts to hear like in a good way, it hurts to hear someone tell you that it's not. So yeah, I couldn't stop crying. (laughs) It's one of those scenes that I put on just to feel something sometimes. Yeah, totally. Like I need to, I need a good cry. I'm going to put this scene on when you were making this list. I know you said that you've seen this movie twice Was it difficult for you to put this into your list? It was a little bit. I felt like there were elements in this movie that are just very important to me as a person. Like I said, Robin Williams and like I said, father figure stuff. And those two things I think are what made me decide that it belonged on the list. Also, it is just a classic. So I felt like the caliber of the movie surpasses the fact that I've only seen it twice. Yeah, sometimes that happens. I mean, I've if you're my friend, you've probably heard me talk about the movie Moonlight at some mm. point. Mm-hmm. I've only seen that movie twice, but mm-hmm. it was one of those things where it affected me so strongly the first time I saw it. I can't not think about it when discussing my favorite movies. Yeah, two, I guess the two on this list that felt that, that were two of the most difficult to put on here were that and Three Billboards because Three Billboards is the most recent and Goodwill Hunting I've seen the least. It seems sometimes it's almost blasphemous to put something recent. Right. (laughs) You're like, I don't know how I'll be in 10 years. It's not old enough. I need more time. Mm -hmm. Whereas Pirates of the Caribbean, I mean, that movie is perfect. (laughs) Right. I've had all the time and I still love it. One of the comments I wrote down was, I know everyone will talk about the it's not your fault scene, but two other moments that I really enjoy are... Is it the farting? No, it's actually not. It's actually another traumatic scene where he breaks up with Skylar. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's, uh, wow, I almost got choked up there. <laughs> he, he pushes everyone away. Mm-hmm. And he, he's like, what, you want to know that my dad put cigarettes out on me? And she's mm-hmm. like, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I want you to tell me. And it's just awful, painful and, to watch. And she makes that scene because how devastated she is by this and how much she does love him and wants to say the right things, but she just can't. Like, there's nothing you can say. Yeah. It's devastating. And then my other moment or comment was the relationship between Lambo and Sean. There's a lot of history there. And Stellan Skarsgård and Robin Williams have a lot of chemistry. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to say is I'm glad that there's a movie with both Stellan Skarsgård and Robin Williams in it. <laughs> yeah. But just them them having the argument before will comes in and he robin's like it's not about you you douchebag right mm-hmm. fantastic do you have any closing comments mm, let me think 
I really like the scene in the bar that stands out a lot to me where he basically tells off the Harvard guys because they had to spend all this money on their education when all they really had to do is read some books. <laughs> thought that was cool. And also uh, flaws in the education system. My final question to you was, how do you like Dem Apples? <laughs> Did they, they made that phrase up, didn't they? I I think it was, I think it's a, a common phrase, okay. but that really put it into the culture. Because that's one of those things where I, I don't know which came first, I suppose, the movie or the apple. But you can't dissociate it now. Right, yeah. Yeah, great movie. Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. Number seven, The Prestige, directed by Christopher Nolan. It's from 2006, starring Hugh Jackman. Wow. I'm so used <laughs> you to You really saying... almost said Hugh Jackman? <laughs> I'm so used to saying that as his name all the fucking time. <laughs> It's starring Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall, Michael Caine, Bowie, and Ooh, Andy Serkis. Wow. I am really pleased to see this on your list, Kayleen. Thank Mainly you. because I'm doing this, it's on hiatus right now, but I was doing the series on Christopher Nolan. And so he's very fresh in my mind. Oh, And yes. I literally watched The Prestige a week and a half ago. Nice. So it's it is fresh in my head. You know, for me, looking at this list, this one surprises me the most that it made it on here. Just because I'm surprised I really even thought to put it on here. But it's like, I think one of the most perfectly made films that exists. I don't want to say there's a, a Kayleen kind of movie, but it's not. <laughs> it, it was kind of out of left field. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. When did you see this movie for the first time? I believe I was in middle school or maybe early high school. A thing to note about me is that my stepdad introduced me to a lot of movies, like a lot, because when uh, he and my mom got married, he brought along an insane DVD collection, like so many DVDs. And as a kid, it was like, whoa, we almost have Blockbuster in our house. And so this is one of the ones that he showed me. And I was like, wow, that was so dope. And I love mind-bending stuff. So this was really fun for me. What was your first reaction to seeing the movie? I really, this is one of those movies that, that created such an impact because of the tone. I really like, it's almost steampunk in a way you know, it's older and it's all about magic. So it just feels very mystical while still being real. And there's something about, you know, the costume design and the production design that's just really magical and adventurous. And I like visiting that world. So it's it's more than just a trippy movie or a dueling movie, but it, it just leaves a feeling of I'm like really having a trouble with words. <laughs> I don't know. I watched it and I thought that it was really unique and made me feel something different. And it doesn't really feel like a period piece either, right. even though it takes place in a different period than our own. Mm-hmm. What about it makes it one of your favorites? Like I said, I think it's really beautifully made. It's it would be very hard for me to go through and try to find flaws and why why try so hard if if you think that a movie doesn't have them. I really like the story. I think the characters are really compelling. Obviously, the twists and turns are, I think, written in a way that you don't see them coming and that they still make sense for the characters and for the story. 
And I really like those two actors, Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman going at it, I think is very powerful. And they're both very compelling to watch. So the first time I saw this movie, it's another grandma story. She had the DVD and I was just spending the day with her. And she was like, you should watch this movie. It's pretty good. And it, I was just sucked into this world that it creates. And the, the ending just exploded my mind. Totally. So that was my first relationship with it. As I've as time has gone on and I pretty much have the movie memorized, <laughs> I appreciate the character dynamic mm-hmm. so much more because Hugh Jackman is so different than what he's is like known for being this mm-hmm. charming tall Australian guy. And in this he's this unlikable obsessive gross guy. Yeah. They're both so dirty and selfish yeah and just seeing hugh jackman's arc is amazing going from this this guy who's happy with a wife to just being this amoral murderer Mm -hmm. and you you flop sides a lot where you you're like oh that one's obviously the piece of shit and then you're like oh no actually that one's the bigger piece of shit (laughs) oh wait they're both pieces of shit yeah And there's also, like, some horrific imagery that sticks with you. Like, I always think of when the bird gets smashed on stage. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so horrifying. Hugh Jackman was the bird in the end. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad that you said that because something, I always think about the fingers getting blown off. Oh, yeah. That's painful. And when Christian Bale pulls the pillow out from under the trap door. Oh, yes, 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 yes. On his leg. The cracking noise yeah. is in my head. Just like, ah, crunch. Yeah. Did it take some time for this to become one of your favorites? I mean, I think so. Just because even making this list, it kind of shocked me that it appeared on there. So it's not, an like you said, it wasn't an obvious Kayleen movie. I think when I really think about it, I it's not surprising to me because I do really like trippy movies it's one of my favorite categories of film is movies that make me go whoa Mm -hmm. but yeah it wasn't one that came to my mind easily and that so yeah I guess I would say I didn't even really realize how much I loved it but I couldn't find any reason to knock it off the list and David Bowie is fantastic in it love it how how many times have you seen it Mm, let's see if I watched it when I was in high school I don't think I've watched it once a year, maybe once like every other year. So give or take seven times. That's probably how many times I've seen it too. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these movies, unless they're ones I've seen countless times, it's about seven, (laughs) six. This movie is one of those things where it's like you watch it and you're like, oh my God, I I need to show other people so they can have the same... And that's what I did. I watched it with my grandma and then I brought it to my parents and I was like, you guys have no idea what's coming. <laughs> yeah. And I remember my dad turning to me and going, what? How? What? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what was I going to say? Um, Hold on one second. Shit, I totally just lost whatever I was going to say about seeing it a certain amount of times and wanting to show it to people. Oh, I remember. Okay. I also have this thing with movies sometimes where this is more a thing that past Kayleen used to do because I I don't have any self-control when it comes to movies anymore. But past Kayleen used to watch a movie like this and go, 
oh my gosh, I loved that. I want to distance myself from it for like four years so that I forget what happens because I want to be surprised again. So I remember I did that with Butterfly Effect too. And I watched it and then I watched it like four years later. And then, I don't know, there was just something about the butterfly effect that after two watches, it I, it never left my brain. I was like, damn it, I'll never have a fresh viewing again. That's kind of, kind of how I feel about the social network, uh, which isn't, it's not this kind of cerebral movie, but I've just, everything I enjoyed about the first time I watched it, it's kind of gone. Oh, which yeah. is unfortunate because it had such a big impact on me when I first saw it. But I that's one where I need to distance myself a closing comment i want to make is i want to talk about michael kane in this movie because mm. he he has been in every christopher nolan movie since batman begins mm-hmm. and a lot of the time he doesn't have a lot to do i mean it's great he his character serves a function and needs to be there yeah but he he doesn't have a lot to do and in this he he is so good he's like the the conscience i was gonna say that yeah who's present among these guys doing awful things to each other. He's like the moral compass who's like, you guys need to cut this shit out. You have loved ones to care about. And my favorite moment of his comes when they have just stolen the diary from Borden Mm -hmm. and he's gotten shot in the arm. So they're at the hospital and Hugh Jackman turns to him and he says, it's time to go to America. And he says, I can't. He goes, but we need to know the trick. And he, he says... And he just has this look on his face of, you don't, he says, Angier, I know how he does the trick, but you won't accept it. Oh, yeah. That's, I think about that all the time. And just his, Mm -hmm. it's like the Jack Sparrow telling the story thing. It's not a big, big (laughs) moment, but it's like, he's, I can't wait for Michael Caine to be disappointed in this scene. It's kind of, um, I guess to, to simplify it, even it's kind of just like in human conversation how if you have an expectation for something and it's not met it's really upsetting and it's kind of that same thing where he's just in denial he needs it to be a certain way or else his entire view of his life is incorrect and so he won't accept it no matter what he what information he gets he needs to find the answer to be satisfying for him and then he finds the answer when he is dying Mm -hmm. fantastic do you have any closing comments about it Not really. Um, I really like, I think one of the strong elements that we didn't really talk about much is that the, the women are very important to the story. And I really like the relationships and how we find out, you know, secrets about them in the end and why certain scenarios went certain ways. Yeah. Again, it it comes down to the two leads who just use everyone in their Mm -hmm. path. Yeah. Kind of upsetting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we are on to number six, which is Die Hard from 1987, Woo! directed by John McTiernan, starring Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Reginald Vell Johnson, <laughs> and Bonnie Bedelia. And there's other people in it, but I didn't want to put them. So yeah. when did you see this movie for the first time? First time I ever saw this would have also been with my stepdad. We watched a lot of action films. There are a lot of action films on this list. I guess it didn't really affect affect me that much on the first viewing because I was a lot younger probably middle school but I thought it was really fun and that was about that (laughs) it's a great movie Ugh! every movie going up on this list I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say right now I'm obsessed with and I'll probably say that about every movie now from now on what about it makes it one of your favorites now 
I think I've grown to love it a lot more in even just the past like three or four years because I have fallen into the niche of really liking watching this around Christmas and I know that's the big debate or whatever but I think it's really fun to watch around Christmas time because it's not your typical Christmas like family friendly movie but it still puts you in a holiday mood because of that I've watched it like every year every year since and I actually got the opportunity to watch it recently for one of the AMC anniversary showings in a theater. Oh, that's awesome. And that was so rad. It's so cool to get to see these movies that you don't have the opportunity to watch on a big screen because you weren't alive (laughs) when they were on the big screen. And I watched it with Courtney and she had never seen it before. And we watched it on the big screen and it was just, it was actually magical. I I was like, oh, this movie's so cool. (laughs) I'm envious that Courtney got to see it for the first time on the big screen. Isn't that fun? Did it take some time for it to grow on you? I think so. I, I think with a lot of movies on this list going up now, I saw some of these when I was just too young to appreciate them fully. Like my brain wasn't fully formed. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've always liked this movie. But even, this is a stupid thing to say because it's not important, but even watching this as an adult, I was able to go, oh snap, I didn't get, I didn't know when I was younger that Bruce Willis was like hot because <laughs> he was old. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, okay. He's like pretty in shape and like badass and like protects his wife. Smart character. Yeah. Yeah. So it did take a while to get this spot. And I think what has solidified it recently is that as I've gotten more knowledgeable about film and just like the movie making process, I realize how brilliant this movie does exposition. On this list, it's probably my favorite regarding exposition because they know how to do it without having to explain anything like they trust us to just follow their context clues or give us a one-liner or show us an image and then we know what's happening for example one of my favorite parts is when he gets to Nakatomi Plaza and we've already kind of found out that he's on the rocks with his girl or whatever and he's looking for her name in the directory under McLean which we know to be his name and it doesn't Mm -hmm. work And he goes and finds that she's using her maiden name. And it's like, he didn't speak at all. And we understand what's happening. And you know the context of their relationship now. It's it's really good. And it's very over the top. But that's what adds to the charm of it. Totally. (laughs) It it also does really smart things like what you you just described. And Alan Mm -hmm. Rickman is terrific. This was his first film. That's so insane. It's it's lovely. I'm guessing you watch this is one that you watch every year around Christmas. It's, it has become a staple, yeah. So you fall into it is a Christmas movie. Oh, Can't... for sure. <laughs> I would argue that all day. How do you feel about the sequels? Have you seen all of them? I have seen actually very similar to Pirates. I've seen all but the fifth one, and I refuse to ever watch the fifth one. It looks so bad. God, like who cares about his son? No one does. No one cares. I love the first one, obviously, obsessed with the first one. I think there's things to love about all the other ones, too. And I think I'm lucky, kind of, in the way that I saw all of these when I was still a naive little person who kind of liked everything thrown at her. And I saw Live Free or Die Hard in theaters, 
And I thought it was just the best. I thought it was so funny and so charming. And I actually like had a period of time after that where I was obsessed with Justin Long because I thought he was so cute and funny. So I still I still find all of those four charming in their own ways. I think the first one is definitely the best, but the fourth one has a charm about it because it has Justin Long and Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. Timothy Oliphant, like what the heck? He's great. Yeah, he's a great villain. So yeah, it gets campy and they get... It's kind of, I think, falling into the Fast and the Furious thing where they almost become superheroes by the fourth one, which like he already kind of was even in the first one, but they get more and more ridiculous after that. It's it's starting to strain. Yeah. So it's a little ridiculous, but it's still entertaining and I, I still like them. There was talk of there being a sixth film and it was going to be called Die Hard year one wow and it was gonna be before the events of the first die hard and they were gonna use special effects to de-age bruce willis oh it's just like this sounds like the worst idea of all time (laughs) they should do that but then have joseph gordon levin play levin joseph gordon levitt play him like in looper uh yeah that's yeah (laughs) do you have any closing comments on die hard i just think it's such a bop and it makes me smile. And yeah, I totally am here for the campiness when he, you know, is tied up to the fire hose. And when he says, yippee motherfucker, like all of it just, it's gets me high, you know? Before we move on to the rest of the list, do you want to take another quick break? Yeah, I think I'm going to change into shorts instead of pants. It's getting a little hot in my room. They say that Kayleen is still changing into her shorts to this day, which means you're going to have to wait until next time, I'm not going to say a week, until part three. So thank you for listening.